Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. I am so grateful for you and so glad you're joining me here on the Bible in Life. And as we begin, I wanted to invite you just to pray for me. I'm traveling this weekend, Thursday through Sunday, to speak at a men's retreat uh, up north from where I live. And man, I'd love it if you just pray for the Lord to bless that, to bear fruit beyond what I could ask or imagine out of that. And so if you'd pray for that, that would be super meaningful to me, super helpful, I'm sure, to the guys that I'll be sharing uh, the Word of God with there. Also, as many of you know, the Bible in Life, the listener's commentary, the whole online Bible teaching ministry that that this is a part of is a crowdfunded Bible teaching effort made possible by the generosity of people like you. And I... uh, I had a new monthly donor sign up the other day whose name was Andre. Andre typically listens to the listener's commentary. Don't know if he listens to the Bible in life. So if you're listening, Andre, welcome. Glad you're here. Um, But uh, Andre set up a small recurring donation. And this is what he said in an email correspondence with me. He said, I know it's not much, but I give it cheerfully. And I'm like, it doesn't matter how much it is. The fact that you would give anything to support this ministry, whether small or great, is incredibly meaningful to me. And Andre lives in Cape Town, South Africa. And I am so grateful for Andre and for all the others who see the value in this ministry, believe in what the Lord is doing through it, and say, I want to support this, whether with a small gift or a big gift. And so thanks a ton, Andre. Thanks to each and every one of you who support this ministry. And if you want to join the team of uh, supporters, there is a link down in the notes below where you can set up a monthly donation, or you can give a one-time gift if you want to as well. All right, we started last week, just as I said, just going to answer questions, questions that people ask me. A lot of them have come from uh, my daughter or daughter-in-law or my son, um, all of whom are, uh, you know, in their 20s and seeking the Lord themselves and reading the scriptures. And sometimes I get texts with, hey, dad, I got some Bible questions. And so some of the questions come from that. Some of the questions have come from uh, you all that you have sent in recently, or even in response to last week's episode, several sent in some questions. So if you've got a question or two, feel free to shoot them my way. Uh, In this episode, I want to look at a fairly well-known little story out of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5. It's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And if you are not familiar with the story, here's the way it goes down. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira are a couple in the early church in Jerusalem. Uh, They decide to sell off some land and they bring the money and they give it to the apostles because other people were doing this. It was an expression of the spirit in the early church. Uh, leading people to really be generous to those who didn't have much. And so people were selling off property and bringing the money to the apostles to be distributed to the needy in the church. Well, Ananias and Sapphira did this. Um, They brought the money. When they brought the money, uh, Peter confronts Ananias. He came first. Uh, Sapphira was out and about, and she came in later. So Ananias shows up, brings the money. Peter confronts him and says, is this the full amount? And he says, yes. And then Peter challenges him, says, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? And Ananias falls down and dies. A few hours later, Sapphira comes in and Peter asks her the same question. She says, oh yeah, that's the amount. And same thing, she falls down and dies. 
And this is a little bit shocking. It shocking one that it happened too. It's shocking that Luke decided to include it as one of the snapshots in the life of the early church. And it really raises the question, why did God kill Ananias and Sapphira? I mean, they they sold their property, they brought some of the money, they gave it to the apostles, and nevertheless, they end up dying. And it's like, well, why is that? Why did God kill Ananias and Sapphira? So let me read you the whole story out of Acts chapter 5, and then we'll just kind of explore that question. Why did God kill Ananias and Sapphira? And then we'll set this text in its broader context in the book of Acts to really understand why Luke put it here. Listen to what it says. Now, a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the proceeds for himself with his wife's full knowledge, and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. Push pause right there for a second. The story of Ananias and Sapphira really begins at the end of chapter 4 of the book of Acts. At the end of chapter 4, Luke just in general terms describes how all sorts of more wealthy people in that first church in Jerusalem are doing this. They're selling off property, they're bringing the money, they're taking uh, that money to the apostles. The apostles are using it to take care of the needy people in the church. And so it, that's that's what, what kind of is the catalyst for this story is that this is what's going on in the early church is the Holy Spirit is working among them, uniting their hearts together, causing them to really want to take care of each other. And Luke tells us there, there wasn't a needy person among them because of the generosity of people. So here's Ananias and Sapphira. They see all these other people selling property and doing that. They see the impact it's having on people in the church. They decide to do the same thing and they sell a piece of property and they bring it to the apostles. Notice it says uh, they kept back a portion for themselves. Um, in other words, they didn't bring 100%. That in itself is not necessarily the problem. Here is the problem. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. But Peter said to Ananias, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the proceeds of the land? Well, that makes it sound like the problem was keeping some of the proceeds, but also lying. Let's keep going and it'll get a little more clear. While it remained unsold, didn't it remain your own? And after it was sold, wasn't under your control? In other words, it's your land. You could have done with it whatever you wanted. You could have, uh, even after you sold it, you could have done whatever you wanted, right? So he has the freedom to, to do that. What's the problem then? Why is it that you've conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Notice the emphasis on lying. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to men, but to God. The issue with Ananias and Sapphira isn't that they only gave a, a percentage of the proceeds. The issue is they gave a percentage of the proceeds and lied saying it was the whole thing. That's the issue. That seems to be what's implied here in this story. And the real issue is lying specifically to God or lying to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that is stirring up the hearts of people in the church to give their funds and use it to take care of the needy people in the church. And here Ananias, with Sapphira's full knowledge, sells the property, keeps back a chunk for themselves so that they can, you know, they can enjoy some of the proceeds and then come and basically say, hey, here's all the money from the sale of our plot of land too. 
And that seems to speak of their desire to, to look good and at the same time to keep some money for themselves. And they're making a mockery of what the Spirit is doing in the hearts of God's people here in the church of Jerusalem. So, Peter calls Ananias out for this, and then, verse 5, and when Ananias heard these words from Peter, he collapsed and died, and great fear came over all who heard about it. And the young men got up, covered up Ananias, carried him out, and they put him in a tomb. Now, after about three hours had elapsed, verse 7, uh, Sapphira comes in, and she didn't know what had happened. Um, there was no cell phones, no mass communication, right? They put her husband in a tomb to keep his body cool while they decided, you know, if they was going to move to a family burial site or whatever. So Sapphira comes in and Peter responds to her. This is where it gets really clear what the problem is. Um, uh, Peter says to Sapphira, tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, yes, that's the price. There's the issue, right? That's what's the problem is they're lying about the price of the land because they want to look like they're super generous and they're giving to everybody. And at the same time, they want to keep some of the money for themselves. So Peter said to her, why is it that you've agreed together with your husband to put the spirit of the Lord to the test? It's like it was your property. You could have done whatever you wanted. The spirit is stirring up people to be generous. Here you are making a mockery of that, trying to appear generous and looking good and making a big name for yourself and all of that. Um, and then uh, uh, keeping some of the money for yourself. And so behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out as well. And immediately, Sapphira collapsed and died as well. And the young men came in, found her dead, carried her out, buried her in the same tomb next to her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard about these things. That's a shocking story, isn't it? Here it is. The church is just getting going. And Luke includes this snapshot of lying and deception and then two people dying as a result of it because of their lying and their deception to the apostles and making a mockery out of the work of the Spirit in the church. Shocking story. Uh, what do we do with it? Now, we've already clarified that what their, their real sin was. Their real sin was not selling their property for, say, $100,000 and giving $50,000. The real problem was that, as Peter said, it was yours under your control. Why are you lying about the price you sold it for? The real problem was saying, hey, here's 100% of the money when it wasn't 100% of the money. And in that sense, making a mockery out of the work of the Spirit. That's the problem. So we've clarified that, but we still have the question, why did God put them to death? Why did God kill them for this sin? Um... And that's a difficult question, and yet it's not without precedent in the biblical story. I think of two Old Testament cases where something similar happened. One was the uh, case of Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's two sons, during the time of the Exodus, right at the beginning of um, the nation of Israel. And it says in Leviticus, that they offered strange fire. In other words, they went rogue and they did their own incense and their own incense offering. Fire fell from heaven and consumed them and killed them. That's Leviticus chapter 10. Uh, and so you have that case 
And then there's another case in the Old Testament where uh, David is trying to transport the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. There's a parade and a celebration and everyone's excited. And the, the Ark of the Covenant is being pulled on an ox-drawn cart and a man named Uzzah is right beside it. And it gets to a rough place in the road. And as the cart begins to uh, wobble roughly, the ark begins to wobble and Uzzah reaches out to put his hand on it and stabilize it. And Uzzah dies right there on the spot. Why is that? Well, because there was specific instructions for how to transport the ark. God had made that clear and they're just doing their own thing. They're going rogue and just kind of doing their own thing. And so Uzzah is made an example of. Well, that's similar to what's happening here in Acts chapter 5 with uh, Ananias and Sapphira. We're right at the beginning of the church. Uh, just like with Nadab and Abihu, right at the beginning of the nation of Israel, even with Uzzah when uh, they're transporting the ark and they're going to set it up, and this is a big deal, right? We're moving the tabernacle. We're getting everything set up there in Jerusalem. Well, here in Acts chapter 5, we're right at the beginning of the early church. The Spirit is at work. It's uniting people together. It's causing wealthy people to want to take care of the poor people. And there's this sense of unity and harmony and love and generosity. And then here comes Ananias and Sapphira, and they're going to make a mockery out of the work of God among them. And so God makes an example of them. Uh, he makes an example that you don't take God's things and treat them cavalierly. You don't take God's work and you uh, treat it uh, casually or cavalierly. God was at work among them and they are self-serving, self-centered, and self-promoting. And God's like, no. Now, God doesn't always do that because that kind of stuff happened throughout the early church and it's happened throughout church history. But in this case, at the very beginning of the church, it seems that God wanted to make an example of Ananias and Sapphira. And you hear in the text uh, that really the refrain of the story is that uh, great fear came upon all who heard these things. Great fear came upon the whole church and all who heard about these things. Twice that line shows up after each little scene in the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And that seems to speak very clearly to the message that Luke wants us to learn from this story. It's a story about great fear. Now, let's broaden out the camera a little bit and look wider at what's going on in the book of Acts. And I think the story gets, to, the message even gets to be more powerful. Uh, right before the story of Ananias and Sapphira, you have uh, Peter and John being arrested by the Sanhedrin. They're being threatened. They're being told not to preach anymore. Um, and basically a cease and desist order is put on them. It doesn't stop them. They keep preaching. Then you get the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And then right after the story of Ananias and Sapphira, you have another story of the Sanhedrin now arresting all the apostles, putting them in jail, uh, and um, threatening them to, to not preach anymore. Uh, and, and then we have in the middle of those two stories of persecution and opposition from the outside, we have this story of sin and corruption on the inside. And what I find fascinating is in the story of 
like Peter and John getting arrested and getting beaten and being warned not to preach. They go back to the church. They pray. The Lord uh, sends a spirit and more power. The place is shaken. They go out preaching with greater frankness and freedom and boldness. Acts chapter 5, same thing. They're threatened not to preach anymore, and they keep right on preaching. Um, and it, like not literally right on preaching like the next day, like really the, like they're arrested. They, they uh, are broken out of jail and they are preaching in the temple the very morning their trial is supposed to happen. They just keep doing it. Um, and so the threats and the opposition from the outside aren't going to keep the apostles from uh, preaching and it's not going to keep the church from moving forward. And in those two stories of opposition, there's no word about fear. There's a word about preaching. There's a word about boldness. There's a word about confidence, but no word about fear. But here, with the story of Ananias and Sapphira, we get this refrain, great fear came upon all who heard about this. Um, and it seems to me that Luke has told this story, included it, one, to show us that the early church wasn't perfect, but two, he's included it and included it where he has in the narrative in this particular flow of stories to make a point about what God's people, what the church ought to fear. We shouldn't fear opposition and persecution from the outside. We shouldn't fear threats from the outside. What we should fear is sin and corruption on the inside. That's a greater threat to the progress and the mission of the church than opposition on the outside. And that's the ultimate lesson, I think, out of the story of Ananias and Sapphira. God made an example of them because they were making a mockery of God's work among them. And it was God's work within them that was drawing all sorts of people into uh, the new family of Jesus. And God's like, no, that's not the way we work. That is a terrible threat to this work and this mission. You're going to ruin it right from the get-go. And so here when the church is small and when it is new and it is therefore fragile, God makes an example out of Ananias and Sapphira. And God wants to teach us at the church then and the church now and the church forever that the real threat to the mission of the church is sin and corruption on the inside. So what should we fear? We should not fear threats and opposition from without. We should fear sin and corruption from within. And that's the lesson of Ananias and Sapphira. And so, yes, it's a shocking story, but it's shocking with a purpose. It's a shocking story to get our attention to help us realize that God does indeed call us to be holy. He expects us to be holy, and he wants us to live for him in this world in such a way that we would honor his, his generosity, his love, his work within us, to recognize that it's he who's at work within us, both to will and to do for his good pleasure, as the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. And so let's learn the lesson of Acts chapter 5, 1 through 11, and let's fear God and let's fear corruption and sin among the people of God. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life. I pray that you have a great week and that you walk with God, you continue to seek his face, you humble yourself before him. May God bless you and lead you. I look forward to talking to you again next week.